right, welcome in to the May 6th edition 2022 of Libservative. He, as always, is Corey Walsh. And he is always Dan Griffin. Always, every day. I'm always the same guy. It's amazing. Uh, I'm actually, I'm actually, change it with the weather. I'm actually whatever I feel like. Whatever day. Tomorrow. American dream. Tomorrow I might be Frank. Tomorrow, the next day I might be Gladys. Who knows? You can. (laughs) It's your God given right in this country. Fantastic. Uh, (laughs) What's funny about today's show is we don't have a ton to talk about, but the couple of topics we have are, are pretty. Pretty big goddamn deals, Corey Walsh. Oh, they're going to fill up the, the airwaves real fast. Tell the people where they can find us before we uh, we get into it. So, <clears throat> for anyone interested, Libservative Podcast. For is anyone found, interested. <laughs> for anyone interested, if you if you like what you're listening to in this minute and a half in, it's uh, our podcast is found on Facebook at Libservative. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Libservative Pod. And we are on WordPress at libservativepod.wordpress.com. That's where you could find our transcripts for our monologues. We are on TikTok at Libservative Podcast. You can reach out to us directly at libservativepod at gmail.com. Like, follow, and share. Come hang out. Give us a good rating, and uh, it'll help us boost up so more people can hear the show. And uh, yeah, that's that's. That's the spew. That's, that's it. That's, that's it. the pitch, right? That's like the pitch. Like, follow, and share, as Corey likes like, to say. Like, follow, and share, and rate, and subscribe. And I don't expect you to share it on your page if you don't want to share this shit with us jackasses telling you what, how we uh, <laughs> interpret these different scenarios. But tell a friend, because I'm sure that uh, there's one friend that you talk to this shit with. Talk uh, this shit about. Speaking of talking shit, Dave Chappelle. Let's talk some shit. Dave, Dave Chappelle. <laughs> Dave... Dave. <laughs> You know what's funny? Dave Chappelle is now the is now the darling of Hollywood again. Did you notice that? Have you seen it? Just in the last he few is. days, he's now the darling of Hollywood again. Uh, everybody that uh, attended the show at the Hollywood Bowl, in which he was attacked by uh, a, a psychopath, is uh, now in love with Dave Chappelle again. And what's so funny about this is the way the narratives shift all the time. Because I am looking at this and I'm going. Uh, the connection to the the Will Smith uh, Chris Rock ordeal was like, well, this is going to be normalized now. This is going to be super normal for everybody to jump up on a stage and punch a comedian. I yeah, think, someone kind of called it. Yeah, I, I think, and and there is some there is some merit to that because obviously it happened right just the other day at the, at the Hollywood Bowl. But at the same time, everybody still came to Dave's defense, even though he was the enemy because he was apparently a bigot that picked on the trans community. So I'm not really sure how to feel about this. This is so confusing. Yeah, this is know, more confusing right. than Johnny and, Depp uh, and Amber Heard. Yeah, it is. And uh, it's um, it's good how it played out for Dave Chappelle, but it makes me concerned for people who are just like 18, 20-year-olds who are just trying to take a crack at you know, being a proponent of free speech, being a comedian who doesn't have an entourage of 30 people ready to just fucking break someone's arm. Oh, I had it in front of me. Where was it? That's what happens when, my, when all of my uh, my tabs are super disorganized. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, I had the picture of the guy. Here it is. I can't believe right now that my wife is deciding to vacuum. <laughs> you know, it's funny. This guy... <laughs> You're with, is that what that noise is? Yes. I was just. I'm I, texting her. Stop. 
<laughs> like, my, we can hear you. My audience can hear you. Damn it. We're trying to run a professional operation here. <laughs> look at look at this. I don't know if you can see it in the bottom there. I'm going to oh, see if yeah, I can what? circle it right here. It, it looks like he damn near missed when he tried to, t- to tackle Dave. Like that, that is, he was definitely not an NFL linebacker or never had a chance to be an NFL linebacker. No. He just, and he's tackling Jack Dave Chappelle, not Scrawny Dave Chappelle. That's from the true. Show. Why is he so big? When did that happen? I don't know. He just decided to get just a, he, want, he wanted to bulk up. Yeah, he's like, gaining mass. Like, here's the thing. Even though, even though this, this, this person was, I don't, you know, what's funny is like everybody's speculating on why he attacked Dave Chappelle, but we don't really know that yet, do we? Right? Like, w- like we want to make the assumption that it has something to do with, uh, that with the, 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 uh, quote unquote unsavory comments that Dave made in his last special, but we don't really just, know, do we? He just exercise his freedom of speech. <laughs> what a <laughs> like, dick. How, dare you? how anti American. <laughs> to exercise your freedom of speech in 2022. I, I don't know. And then if you want to really, really go down there, it's like, yeah, I guess that guy exercised his free speech and tried to stop it. But then he got his fucking arm dis- dislocated, ripped off and put on backwards. Oh, I think I have that pic. Oh, here we go. I do have that picture. Oh, that's my a, God, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one right there. <laughs> You know, and it's easy to laugh about this, like this happened. But like I said, like the biggest thing is like this precedent is sets for anyone who doesn't have 50 guys ready to just curb stomp somebody for you that is just trying to just advocate for their free speech. Because it goes back to what we're talking about Will Smith. Like, do people say dumbass things? Sure. But since when is it okay that speech can be escalated by physical violence? Yeah, and... It's it's one thing when it's Dave Chappelle who's who's obviously got an, an entourage, right? He's at the he's at the Hollywood Bowl, right? He's got you know there's security all over the place. But what about like a small town club comedian that maybe says something that's a little off base, and all of a right. sudden some guy jumps up on stage? There's no security around. What do you do then? So right. I, I, I guess this I guy get that did point. have a knife. Yeah, a, a weird gun knife. What the hell was that? I don't know. It's a gun knife. <laughs> it was literally it was a gun that had like a switchblade that came out of the top of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, like, like Jeff just said, speech versus actions are different entities, and absolutely, free, like speech. There's, I don't think there's any circumstance where speech is justified by being escalated by physical violence. Yeah, especially when they're jokes. Oh my god, I know when it's like <laughs> fucking like what this guy do? Just go there. Like, oh, I'm gonna go listen to Dave Chappelle tell some jokes. My then, my like, understanding is he did it at the end of the show too. Like why did he wait? Let him talk the whole time. Why did he wait so long to 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 jump to to jump Dave? Because he didn't want to give him more uh, more um, shit to talk about. I guess it's because the end. Of, <laughs> it's because the end of the show is where the trans stuff comes out. So we gotta make sure he actually enjoyed the show. He was just mad it was over. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i here's more material for you you fuck Corey. what are you, you drinking today dan um i'm just i'm half in the bag already i'm drinking my third martini on a friday i got off work a little bit early today and decided to get after it while i was prepping for the show so we'll see how this one Peter ends <laughs> let's get at her we'll see how this one ends you got a you got a a, a dirty mexican beer there don't you i'm drinking some modelo in the name of well, yesterday was uh, Cinco de Mayo, so I was embracing my non-existent uh, Hispanic heritage. Yeah, it's like the, the is that cultural appropriation to, to celebrate Cinco de Mayo? 
totally is. It's like uh, it's it, 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 everybody does the same thing on St. Patrick's Day, but nobody cares because Irish people are white. Yeah, that was yeah, just like, fuck the Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Irish for a day, Mexican for a day, doesn't matter. Uh, we got to get into the big topic of the day, Corey. And I know you did your monologue on this topic, but that is the uh, the, the the big leak that came out of the Supreme Court the this leak. week. The leak. Uh, right on, Jeff. The opinion that came out uh, uh, leaked by Politico. And for some reason, the, the most interesting thing that I've it's not really the most interesting, but the funniest thing about this is that people are actually shitting on Politico for reporting this story as if it's not like the story of the decade so far and any publication would have reported it had they gotten a hold of this information. Absolutely a big one. So that's that's that to me and is so, interesting. And it's interesting that it has like there's two big stories that have that have uh, like evolved from this and it's the leak itself and then the actual abortion uh, precedent. That's oh, that little part, that little piece yeah, that, of it, right? That little part that's been set as a precedent for damn near fit. What it like round up one year to 50. Let's is that, uh, am, am I allowed to do that? I'm allowed to round it up, round one it up year? to 50. Yeah, you are. Don't be ages, but much? yeah. Uh, look, the first thing I'm going to do here is this is going to be a super unpopular, but I'm going to shit on two areas here. One is going to be the Democratic establishment, which that shouldn't surprise anybody who's a fan of this show or has listened to this show. We 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 shit on the Democratic establishment all the time. But the other super unpopular thing here, everybody, I, I want everybody to take a seat because it's going to be tough to hear. There's a huge part of this that is Ruth Bader Ginsburg's fault. This isn't a hot take. I mean, certainly there are people that have that have said this already, but I cannot stress enough the fact that. Ruth Ruth Bader Ginsburg not retiring under Obama and having the hubris to think that Hillary Clinton was going to win in 2016 and saying, I'm going to retire under her is <laughs> it, it, it's it's sad, Corey, because I actually love RBG and I love everything that she did for women's rights and, and everything that she stood for. But she basically shit on her own legacy. By yeah. having the hubris to not retire under Obama and we letting her ego, we wouldn't even be in this situation. Had she retired, we would have a nice young liberal justice that would have been put in it'd by be Obama. Five, five. It'd be no problem. I mean, yeah, yeah. What? There's nine justices. So yeah, it'd be, it'd be five, five four. Five. It would still be five four. Would it still be five four? Uh, yeah. Liberals though, not. No, it would be it would be five four. But you you wouldn't have that supermajority in the court. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it would be five four because it would have it, Trump wouldn't have replaced one. He'd he replaced two, not three. Correct. God, that's got to make Democrats' heads explode. Huh? Well, and but that's the thing. that's <laughs> that, the, like the that's, Trump legacy is going to be with us for another like sixty years. That's the thing that drives me so nuts. Is it's like the narrative is like these evil Republicans are going to repeal Roe v. Wade, and it's like, dude, you fucking knew that was going to happen. If this situation ever came about, so you're going to shit on the conservatives for doing exactly what you knew they were trying to do for the past 50 years? No, you had all of this time to codify this law. You you had RBG not stepping down when she should have. Don't sit there and put this all on Republicans just be, and, and, and conservatives just because you disagree with their ideology. You had the opportunity to make this thing what you wanted it, and you and and the establishment Democrats never took the opportunity to do no, that when they, they had supermajorities. Should I just read my monologue real quick? Go ahead. 
Have at it. Corey's monologue. Here we go. <laughs> because we, we, I, yeah, I, it's just a lot of stuff we can expand on that we're about to talk about anyways. So I don't have a title yet, but uh, here it goes. My body, my choice has long been a mantra and just a short six months ago was adopted by the right regarding government overreach on what an individual citizen of these United States can do with his or her body. I was exuberant. I thought we were really getting somewhere. You see what an ever encroaching government can do? You see how fast the tables can turn were questions I had for my conservative friends. I thought we were really progressing personal liberties in our country. That is until the leak regarding Roe versus Wade. A lingering, unfinished, only settled issue that has divided our country for almost 50 years. For people my age, it's been the precedent our entire lives that the court ruled the Constitution of the United States protects a pregnant woman's liberty to choose to have an abortion without excessive government's restriction. The fact that this is so arbitrary, the rights of 100 million women can just be taken away by the stroke of a pen, one ruling, makes you question the whole system we've grown up knowing. How? How does this happen? How does 50 year how does 50 year old precedent get thrusted into the spotlight just to be kneecapped in what appears to be an overnight flip of a switch? The answer isn't one you want to hear, but precedent isn't law, but more of a reference and judgments. Roe didn't codify anything, but instead set precedent the, the, that abortion is a right guaranteed by our Constitution, based on interpretation of the laws already written. The Constitution, which is considered both a living and dead document, depending on which ideological bender one is on that day, was interpreted in the 70s under the 14th Amendment, specifically the Due Process Clause in said amendment, that a right to privacy protects a pregnant woman's rights to choose whether or not to have an abortion. As someone who takes the Constitution and the well-thought-out amendments that dwell inside that the carefully considered document that promises our intrinsic rights very seriously, the right to privacy should be one of the least controversial, least controversial rights promised to us. This goes for overbearing bureaucracies like the NSA, the CDC, or decisions made between a doctor and their patient, regardless of age, sex, or gender. In saying this, I know that our Supreme Court might interpret things differently through time as we have different biases, ideologies, and life experiences that influence the judgments of the highest court. And I am completely okay with that. What courts once thought was protected by the Constitution, like slavery, segregation, ban on gay marriage, changed over time as a nation, as a, as as we as a nation grew together. It's the courts themselves that have the progressive power to the betterment of we the people. The flip side of this is when there is a concerted effort promulgated by personal ideologies entrenched in subjective morals based on one's own beliefs, with no regards to our, for our federal citizens' personal liberties promised by our Bill of Rights. We see tumultuous flip-flops that cause the justified outrage of the targeted groups whose lives are being directly affected. So how does this happen? What we're seeing today is the culmination of roughly 50 years of tactical moves by Republicans. While the Democrats focused their efforts on expanding the federal government at the national level, the Republicans spent their time working on the states and local seats, focusing on candidates that would appoint judges up and down the ladder from circuit to federal positions, which based on this leak, opinion seems to have paid off. Remember the Constitution I've mentioned countless times in this piece? It also promises the states an exorbitant amount of power under Amendment 10, states' rights, which also can be argued as, a, as both a very good or bad thing based on what the argument and your interpretation of our laws is in, in any given scenario. So as the Dems expanded the Fed and countless bureaucratic departments, such as uh, departments, the GOP was behind the scenes biding their time, roughly 50 years to, to strike. 
It takes 38 states to ratify an amendment, and the Republicans know that and have had all the time in the world to lay a foundation for that path. But this is something we knew. The Republicans didn't exactly hide this strategy. Where were the Democrats? These bastards have had the had majorities, some considered super, that had the power to codify the rights of women. Why didn't they? Why haven't the Dems who love federal power codify a law that would have been supported by an until very recently liberal-leaning Supreme Court? Make a law to protect body autonomy. Why did they let this slip through the cracks only to feign shock when the GOP's plans came to fruition? I thought they could walk and chew gum at the same time. My take? They didn't want to. They could... They could string voters along for roughly 50 years with the threat of Roe being struck down. Gotta get out the vote to protect the women's rights. Vote blue no matter who. (laughs) Yeah? How's that working out for us? While they sat idly by in apathy, they saw the other side of the aisle working overtime and didn't do anything other than introduce bills they know wouldn't pass intentionally to stir up the base. Ultimately, what these types of rulings, laws, opinions from our leaders tell me is that daddy government thinks you and I are too dumb to make decisions about our own bodies and what we believe is what's best for ourselves. And data backs this up. As sex education becomes less stigmatized and contraceptives become more effective, we've seen a trend of abortions going down for the last 30 years. Personally, I believe with all my heart that women aren't idiots and that they don't need men or other women, for that matter, telling them what's best for them, and that they can make personal informed decisions based on their own unique circumstance for themselves without an overbearing government telling them what they can and can't do. My body, my choice. And so, like, what I'm, what, what I'm basically getting down to here is, first off, the Dems fucked up. Which isn't shocking or surprising whatsoever. And secondly, it's insane to me that when you're personally affected, your personal liberties are way more at stake than when you're not personally effective and you let your emotional knee jerk, personal preconceived biases cloud your judgment of what actual personal liberty is. Yeah, and I think that I think a lot of that goes into the the catastrophization of of this because that's it's such an easy subject to catastrophize, right? The right's been guilty of it forever. Now the left is guilty of it. The right's catastrophization was, "Oh my god, abortion needs to be made illegal because of late-term abortions. Late-term abortions are such a problem which they basically don't fucking exist. And the only time they ever really happen is if there's some serious the me- is, medical when need the for it. Mom is like right. about to like die. Right. Yeah. So so and that- what is it? Endro endro endrochromitis, I think is the term. When the woman doesn't really necessarily have a uterus, but the egg keeps attaching itself to the fallopian tubes, which is, it, is like guaranteed and, endometriosis. Death. Is that what that is? Endometriosis. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I didn't figure you'd be able to pronounce that word. <laughs> I know I'm bad <laughs> at pronouncing words, but that's words. The, that's the catastrophization by conservatives for all this time was like you know you're murdering eight month old you know babies that are about to be born, which like never fucking happens. And but now you now you have. Now you have the new catastrophization, which is that like no woman's ever going to be able to get an abortion again. Like, and, and that's a catastrophization. It doesn't mean it's not a problem, right? Like, right. I'm pro-choice. I'm pretty sure Corey, you're pro-choice. 
and like I, my body, my choice. When I it comes to vaccines, when it comes to abortions, when it comes to tattoos, when it comes to anything. So none of us. I have so, a very libertarian stake in this, Dan. So so neither of us support the striking down of Roe. But the problem is when you over catastrophize it. Now you're 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 getting off into into la la land into an area where you can't you can't address the problem so let's 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 see let's let's look at what's actually going on here first of all if roe gets stricken down it doesn't make abortion illegal okay sucks nobody wants it i don't want it to happen most of america supports abortion in some sense you know at least at least if it's uh um what's the word i'm looking for incest or rape right if you include that and nothing else it's like 80% of Americans support abortion in, in some form or fashion, right? So, um, shit, I just had it pulled up. I had the whole YouGov uh, polls on this, actually. And so, when it comes to actual like Roe versus Wade itself, here, one second, it's loading. I, I, I'll, I I'll continue it. while you find that. It, it, it's, yeah. My, the, the, my point is, like, it doesn't make abortion illegal. I think we're going to have some workarounds from some of the more blue states that are going to start programs that are going to allow people, allow women from uh, uh, less affluent areas in red states, if they really, if they need an abortion or they want an abortion, they'll be able to get them out of state to make it happen. I think there are going to be workarounds. That, that this, isn't, this isn't some sort of defense for repealing Roe, but we can't look at the at repealing of Roe versus Wade as being like the end of the fight, right? Like it's over. The conservatives won. You know what I'm saying? Am, am, am I making sense at least to you, Corey? Yeah. Yeah, no, you are. And, uh, and it's unlike you were saying how like with the people when it breaks down of how many actually people want it or whatever. Right now I'm looking at uh, the YouGov survey. It's from May 3rd and it's Roe overturned. And would you, and the questions were, uh, would you like to uh, guess you would like to see Roe versus Wade overturned or no, you would not. And even by party ID, uh, only 58% of Republicans actually want to see it overturned. So like most of the country actually does like agrees with the idea, but it's just, it's a thing that the, the, the Republicans have been working on for like 50 years. And so Marcus had a question. So he said, even if Dems had passed it, when they had supermajority, wouldn't the GOP have just overturned it in Trump's first two years? And wouldn't we still be able to have, wouldn't we still be in the same situation we are anyways? No. So we wouldn't be because, well, I don't know. I'll let you take it, Dan. Uh, no, because the, 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 the law would have been, would have been codified. It would have been the law of the land. It would have been, it would have been a federal law that women have a right to an abortion had the, had the, had the law been codified, it, it was that was never done. Roe at this point is just precedent, right? Yeah. So, so like they yeah. could still fight for it and try to do it, but like if it wasn't actually law, like the way the government set up with you know the three branches, the uh, if it was an actual law, the Supreme Court would have to interpret the law to where they'd have to look at like an actual law and try to say whether or not it was constitutional. Which is a whole lot harder to do and overturn versus them just saying that like it's against the Bill of Rights, if that makes sense. It's kind of a really shitty way to explain it. 
<laughs> it's com- um, it's but complicated, like, like, but but a, but a, a democratic supermajority could have codified Roe, and we, we it would have it would basically that would have made it stick. It would have been stuck. It would have been it would have yeah. Been- they would like the GOP could have done their best to try to change it, but they would have had to first challenge it in the court system, and then the, a, a court system would have had to say that the law was unconstitutional, or they have, and then they would have had to try to overturn the actual law in the House and the Senate, and like the way like it's. A law is way harder to undo than just precedent because precedent is just a reference. So, like, I mean, I, I guess in theory they could have, but like with a filibuster right now in place, like if it was codified, even even because that's the thing too is like the filibuster plays a big part. Here's in all of here's it. here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. The I don't I don't know that even right because right now they're they're already talking about the Democrats are already talking about trying to codify this law right now. Prior to yeah, the Chuck Supreme Schumer came out and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, oh my god!" Like they're all act- like, "That's what kills me, dude." They're all acting like it's. But here's uh, the thing: I don't, I don't think they have the votes. Even now, I don't think they have the votes because you have the Joe Mansions of the world that aren't going to vote that way. There, there are, there are certain, you know, I'm going to, no, I'm going to call them, I'm going to call them what it is. I'm going to call them what it is: conservative Democrats that would not vote to codify this law. Right, but there's there's moderates, there's moderate Republicans. You know, there's, you know, like a lot, like some of them are, I forget their names, but there's two of them at least that would definitely cover like someone like Manchin. But like, it's, uh, to, hmm, I'm trying to like, I know the answer, but I'm trying to like figure Uh-oh. out a way to like word it properly. Uh Oh, Corey's thinking mid show. We Here got we issues. go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, when like, uh, he goes, it's not with the court, memory, this GOP guy. would have have voted in Congress with the majority to get rid of it. So I think like if it's codified into law, uh, you need now, if it's an amendment, like, Oh man. Yeah. (laughs) Shit. Let me, let me think. I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. You look that up. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's throwing me into the loophole too, because like to overturn a law, here we go. What is a codified law? A codified law refers to the rules and regulations that have been collected, restated, and written down for the purpose of providing civil order to society. This process of collecting, restating, and writing down laws is known as codification. Codified laws are sometimes referred to as statutes, codes, acts, bills, or simply laws. So, okay. So, so if I you guess, codify uh, row, you lock it in, essentially, is what that means. So, how do you undo... How to undo a codified law? <laughs> We're looking this shit up live. I'm gonna have a. I know. I, well, it's 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 interesting. You know, it's stuff that we want to learn, and that's the whole premise of the show, right? We're and learning we're with learn- y'all, man. We're, le- we're learning we're with Marcus. Intellectual idiots is what we refer to ourselves as on this show. Do you find it? Because I I thought I had it here as well. Um, I'm gonna edit this part out. <laughs> then the live stream it's edit, live i want to edit this part out of the uh the, the podcast posting we're just oh, looking live i don't know how i'm drawing a blank on this like i've heard these conversations yeah yeah congress can undo what it does but i think like when it comes to actually undoing no things, marcus like it, don't apologize we need this <laughs> yeah no no to, to undo something it takes so much work like i don't even know if it's been done like for example the uh was it the 12th what was it? The eight? No, the eight, eighteenth or nineteenth that prohibited alcohol. 
Right, you have to. Well, you can't. You can't. Get and rid- they didn't just re- re- remove an you amendment. You can't they get rid of to- an amendment. You have to make a new amendment that makes the yeah. first amendment not not stand up anymore. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's, it it would be something similar along those lines. Like they would have to go through so many leaps and bounds. Like it would take so so much more, and then it would be challenged in court. And when that when it's an actual law that was put in place based on things like our constitution to undo that would be way more than them to just go. Yeah. We're just not going to reference this anymore. Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently that's, it's just arbitrary, but yeah, it's, it's just insane to me that that's actually like, that's where we're still at in our country in a, in a country that we claim to be a country of life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Do you want to have an unpopular conversation here? What's that? Like, like both sides are going to hate us with the, with a couple things that I'm about to bring up because I, I, I do. And Marcus is right. He said the Democrats would never been able to pass this on an amendment on abortion. That hurdle is way too high, and that's true because of the filibuster. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right about that. And you need like a yeah. And what's interesting too is the Democrats—they're the ones that don't want to get rid of it. And you know they're the ones that put it in, right? And you know they put it in in like the 1800s to help fight the overturn of uh, slavery. That's when the filibuster was really created. <laughs> so, the filibuster and uh, the gag order were both created during the slavery arguments. So even even as somebody who does support Roe, and I certainly don't want to see it repealed, I, I, I always have to, even even in these, these, when it comes to these difficult topics, you always want to try to find the best, right? Like that's what we try to do on this show. You know, what's the best argument for the other side? Because if the other side didn't have a good argument, then it wouldn't be an argument to start with, right? So, I thought I'm I'm thinking about doing this weird devil's advocate thing in my own head, and I was thinking about things that are good about overturning Roe. Now, I can already see that that statement has already made me the enemy. That lean left have just made yeah. It's already made me the enemy. But you can take silver You're linings. You're a uterus, not a uterus, Dan. Shut I the fuck up. know. I love that <laughs> argument, too. I love that argument, too. Like, if you don't have a uterus, you shouldn't have an opinion. It's like, like I don't know people with uteruses, and I don't care about people with uteruses, so I shouldn't have an opinion. It's like, right. the, it's like, it's like, the, it's like those people that are like, well, you're not a parent, so you shouldn't have an opinion on parenting stuff. Like, well, I had parents. I know people that are parents. <laughs> like, I have some sort of knowledge as to what's going on here, but things that could be considered good about overturning Roe, and I think the number one thing is taking something that is so controversial and is in in and in some ways is is kind of regional and giving it back to the states, right? It because might temper down like the because these these the viral around it, you know, like the uh, all the anger and like like taking the pot, taking the lid off of a pot of boiling water, letting the pressure release a little bit. Yeah, and like a lot of what I've seen is 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 obviously, you know, these East Coast West Coast elites talking about, well, this is going to make it really difficult. What if my daughter wants to get an abortion? And it's like, well, I think the only way your daughter not getting is is going to not get abortion and get not be able to get an abortion if Roe is overturned is if she like moves to Oklahoma. I don't think that's happening at this point. So again, bad 
that Roe is being overturned, in my opinion, Corey, I think in your opinion as well. However, taking something that's so controversial and giving it back to the states, like there's some there's some silver lining in there somewhere that I hope we see at some point. There, there is, you know, because like some states are going to be completely unaffected. There's only eight states that have zombie laws that uh, if Roe versus Wade was overturned, that like they would come back into effect. And it's what's crazy is Michigan is one of them mm-hmm. that if Roe versus Wade is overturned, but that goes back to just government apathy. There was a precedent set with Roe versus Wade. So like a lot of these states just didn't do anything to make sure that it was solidified. Well, and I, I think if, if you, and also I, I, was looking, I was looking at this earlier today, when it comes, when you break down the polling numbers by state, when it comes to abortion rights, a lot of the states in which you're going to see abortion, at least in some way, shape, or form, made illegal, whether it's after six weeks, twelve weeks, eighteen weeks, whatever it is, a lot of those, a lot of those red states, repealing Roe is popular, or at least more popular than you would see in other states, and it's also like abortion is seen as as a like a really bad thing. So, and it's it's the opposite in other states. So it's, it's like, it almost seems like it is going to diffuse everything to me. Like, yeah, like lower the pressure on it. I mean, it's one, if, if, if it gets thrown to the States, that's one less national argument to have. So I get that for like the, the hyper partisanship we have in the country, but they, there's still going to be women. Cause like, let's really be honest. This is like, is this is a bit of a class issue. Mm-hmm. Oh, a hundred percent is rich yeah. women. In Oklahoma or Texas They're or anywhere, are still going to be able to get their abortions. It doesn't matter what the precedent is, and that's and that's it's just it, right? People. It's 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 like the FDA conversation that we had last week with my monologue with the FDA trying to repeal menthol cigarettes. This isn't that much different. It's going to affect, you know, daddy government l- thinking what they know what's best, lower for class and poor people. And that's what's interesting is like that was kind of a the the uh, the menthol cigarettes thing is kind of more of a democratic left thing and then this is more of a right-wing thing but it's the same fucking thing it's daddy government telling poor people what's best for them is what it is yeah exactly and it that's just it it's like and like i said in my monologue i have absolute trust in women being able to make decisions regarding their own personal bodies without the government having to say what they're doing is going to make them a criminal or not based on the circumstance that they're in um yeah, I mean, Republicans got this like a short six months ago, like when the tables were flipped and all of a sudden the government was trying to make it to where people had to inject themselves with a vaccine, which you and I, we say, you know, if you're a vulnerable person, get the vaccine. We're not anti-vax or anything like that on this show, but the government should not have a say in what you do to your body. And six months ago, all of our right leaning listeners were cheering on what we're saying. And now we flip it. And all of our left listeners are agreeing with what we're saying. <laughs> we say my body, my choice. And it's like, it's, that's ultimately what this, what it should be. You know, like a broad brushstroke on anything by a huge ginormous government isn't good for anybody. Yeah. And from a national political uh, uh, campaigning angle, 
This is gonna this is gonna be all over the Democratic ticket in twenty twenty two and twenty twenty four though. Oh, dude, this was the best thing that could have been handed to them, dude. There was gonna be a complete slaughter on uh you know, like of, of the House and the Senate and the and the Fed going from blue to red because you know, the whole vote blue no matter who thing obviously turned out to be a turd. <laughs> we ain't getting shit from the the, the Democrats in the last two years. And now this is going to, and especially when it comes to midterms, Democrats are notoriously known for being apathetic and not going out and voting. This is what they need. Granted, GOP still might get the House and the Senate, but it's going to be a lot more slim margins. They're going to, you know, that's it's not going to be that slim. <laughs> you still, think it's still going to be a blowout? It's still going to be a rollover victory for Republicans in the uh, in in the in the midterms. I hope I'm wrong. Like, obviously, I love political pluralism, so like, let's let's get out and vote. You know, everybody get out and vote. But it's I mean, vote it's libertarian. We just need to take all the toys away from the government because I'm sick and tired of them trying to meddle in everyone's personal lives. And yeah, Marcus Corey, said again, he goes, anything that makes it hotter, this issue will be on the ballot for president, Senate, House, governor, state houses for the rest of our fucking lives. Yeah, and that's, that's absolutely true. right that's, because it does. It gets people up and it gets people uh, active. That's true from a from a politics angle, from like a national politics angle. But I feel like the, the discussion locally might calm things down amongst the people, right? Because we, we know that like what goes on in Washington does not reflect what's what actually in Michigan. What's actually but what's New what's just going on among among the American people. We've seen that. Both parties are absolutely comp- have completely lost their minds. They have no idea what's actually going on in the real world. So yeah, we're gonna see we're gonna see the TV ads of this this candidate supports killing babies and this candidate hates women. That's what we're going to see. But we're all, we're all doing, I think a better job of looking at that and going, this is bullshit. Give me real choices. Absolutely. It just has to keep, it's going to be a slow build, but it just has to keep going and shows like this and, and a lot of new media, I hope will continue to, to spout that message. Like it's time to hold both of these fucking parties accountable and, you know, if there's some way to build a third party, whether it's the libertarians or whomever, I hope that happens. But I don't. It's not going to happen in 2022, and it's not going to happen in 2024. So let's focus with let's focus on what we have. Yeah. So continuing on this topic, you and I both obviously think that like it sounds like we're both pro-choice, and that like women should ultimately have their own choice based on the very constitution our founding fathers wrote. Who do you think the leaker was? Who do I think the leaker was? I it's I've been, I've kind of gone back and forth on this because the, my first thought was maybe the ghost of Ruth Bader Ginsburg just happened to tweet, <laughs> tweet it out, text it out somewhere. No, I fax it out, I mean, telegram it. I I, I got to believe it's a liberal staffer. I mean, it's it it just seems like the most obvious. It doesn't mean that that's who it is, but I got to believe it's a liberal staffer that is uh, you know, trying to foment dissent for this opinion and and and, and, rile, and rile people up yeah i think it just strategically it just makes the most sense for it to be a liberal to me okay only because you said that i'll uh play the devil's advocate and what if it was a conservative what if it was a conservative that really wanted everyone to solidify their opinion on this and when you look at the courts justice roberts actually kept his name off the opinion he did yep and he was one that didn't want this opinion to come out 
and he was one he was leaked to say he didn't want to actually take this up in the courts. So what if it was him to try to get everyone to shut the fuck up? You think it was Justice Roberts himself? Now that's a conspiracy. You think he's going to defy the sanctity of SCOTUS for this? Not necessarily him personally, but maybe one of his clerks. If he just goes, I don't like this. I wish people knew about this. I'm nudge, nudge, wink, leave. wink. Know what I mean? Know I'm, what I mean? I'm just going to leave this on the table over here. Man, imagine if this got out to the media. And then speaking of the leak, one more thing I got to say about this. So you know I'm a huge Tulsi supporter. Uh-oh. But my girl... You know, it's like, what are you thinking? You know, recently, like, so she's been hopping on like Fox News and stuff like that and spouting off some real conservative talking points. And they're talking points that have merit to where it's like, you could tell the way it's being conveyed. It's more of like a conservative like position, but a lot of it's still, it was like spewed in a conservative way, but it was still like, something that was for the betterment of the people and in their individual rights and things like that. But I'll tell you what, man, after this, she was on, I I don't even know what she was on, but she's on there talking about how this person was a thief and they need to be prosecuted. The leaker. And huh? The The leaker. leaker? Yeah. Yeah. The leaker, the whistleblower, whatever you want to call them based on your own personal ideologies is regardless. I mean, which that's completely should be thrown to the wayside that this rhetoric isn't good for anyone who decides to try to expose things in the inner workings of our government. Now I know that in the Supreme court, this isn't the house. This isn't a, a, a financial board for a company. Then they leak things and stuff like that. Like the Supreme court is supposed to be like the, uh, the bipartisan, a political group. Right. And that things like this might actually hurt the Supreme court. And the fact of like, creating a lack of trust and things like that along people who work there. And sure, we can be mad that it was leaked. We should be mad that this isn't a, a normalcy. We should, we could be mad that this goes against the institution and everything that we hold near and dear when it comes to the sanctity of the Supreme court, but to immediately say that they need to be prosecuted. What difference is this than a Julian Assange and Edward Snowden, a Chelsea Manning, you know, who, a, by the uh, way, Tulsi supports all of them as far as I right. Know. And that's why I, like I was completely taken aback. It's like, what are you doing? Like she's getting wrapped way too much in this little like this being this pet on this, Fox News. Yeah, this little this little Democrat cons- with the conservative view. Yeah, like, this little conservative parade she's had. She's, lo- she's this is someone her. who supported her and volunteered and helped her campaign and has a show, fucking poster. Yeah, show behind the poster. Me poster's signed, right behind you there. That sign that says Aloha, Corey. Like. <laughs> And it's, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. I don't like that rhetoric at all when it comes to anyone talking about something like this. This wasn't illegal. And to try to set a precedent that anything like this is illegal only hurts the accountability and the visibility and the transparency of our government that is supposed to be working for us. But Tulsi's enjoying her time in the limelight. She's loving her time. Yeah, you thought you thought she was all you thought that that aloha went away real fast, didn't it, Corey Walsh? Yeah, (laughs) I didn't like it. I'm not going to rip the poster down. I supported her too, but you know, this is what happens to these politicians, man. They just get they get they get they get caught up in whatever whoever loves them, and then they're all narcissists. You can't be a politician without being a little bit of a fucking narcissist. 
Even Tulsi Gabbard, who we Vera Vera is actually like kind of agreeing with you here. She was talking about the good side of the of the state thing would be it would maybe make people realize that who they vote for on a state level and in their community is more important than the presidential, and that's absolutely true. Like the way our constitution is designed, it like breaks down to where it's like the local stuff kind of supersedes the state stuff and the state stuff kind of supersedes the federal stuff. In most cases, like look at marijuana, look at something as simple as liquor licenses in cities and stuff like that. And it probably would make people focus more locally on their elections. And that ultimately would be a good thing. But what's frustrating is in the meantime, while everyone recalibrates their political voting schemes, we are going to have people well, not even just people, women, because men don't have abortions. And it's it's going to hurt people while we readjust that. And it's frustrating. It's yeah. frustrating to me that this is a conversation that's still even had, you know, especially after the whole vaccine thing. And we realize that more government is bad. Well, look, and, and, that- and, and the thing is this, if, you know, if the Constitution is what it is, which is, you know, we the people, the polling numbers bear it out. From a national perspective, most people support a woman's right to an abortion. At least I'm like nobody supports abortion, right? It's not a happy thing for anybody to ever have, which is a weird narrative that the right likes to throw out there a lot. Well, uh, it's because you have people on the left that actually do fucking do that shit. Well, you know, yeah, there's crazy the left that say shout your abortion. It's like, like no, yeah. Well, not everybody's I mean, do Lena Dunham, Corey Walsh. Abortion uh, shouldn't be a, a form of contraceptive. Of course, but like. What is it? The what is the Hillary Clinton thing? The legal, rare, and safe, safe, safe legal, legal, and rare. rare. Yeah, I mean, I think, but like I, that's that's where we've been trending. You know, as contraceptives have been more effective, like I said in my mind, like contraceptives and sex education has been less stigmatized. We're seeing abortions trend down. It's almost a non-issue. We're seeing us as we the people, without the government, correct the ship on our own. We don't. Then it goes. I did. I don't. Uh, but we it, don't need the fucking government to tell us how to live. But if it's lives. if it's we the people, we're going to have ballot initiatives. Red states are going to make abortion illegal. Blue states are going to keep it legal. It's it's not going to. It's just not going to. It doesn't have to be this major catastrophe, right? Like I understand not being supportive of repealing of Roe, as you and I are not. But like it's not the end, you know. Yeah, you, you, and you have to recognize that if you're traditionally a blue voter, if you're traditionally a Democratic voter, this is why conservatives for so long gave so much of a shit about about the supreme court about yeah about when they voted for their president who would they appoint as a supreme court justice like do you get it now because they won because they've won and honestly it might hurt to hear this but they kind of fucking earned it 50 years they worked at it dude they worked at it for 50 years pay attention exactly. pay attention the court matters and this is and why apathetic people while we fight over trivialized things that are force-fed to us by our mainstream media, while important things like this behind the scenes are just constantly just chipped away at, goes to show that we probably should be paying attention and, and stop falling for every single outrage culture thing. And because now this is real. hundred <laughs> percent real. This is people's personal rights being trounced upon. You know what else is real, Corey? The Disinformation Governance Board. <laughs> That's very real too, as well. This First of all, Orwellian 1984 Ministry of Truth, Ministry of Truth, 
the th- the thing that makes world me, we're living in the thing that makes me laugh about this so hard is that it's going to be like a subdivision of the Department of Homeland Security, which is already a complete joke. <laughs> like it's oh, a- it's a fucking joke. There's talk of uh, trying to impeach the uh, uh, what's his name? It starts with an M. Mayorkin. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know if the yeah the head of it. They had him in uh, a hearing recently, and they're like. How do you think the border's going? And he said, it's going great. It's <laughs> like, what do you mean? And uh, yeah, so Jankovic, this lady who's already been talking about how free speech isn't necessarily good. Nina, free speech absolution is, is what she called Elon Musk for trying to make Twitter more inclusive. Yeah. So yeah, Nina Jankowitz, uh has she's overseen programs on Russia and Belarus, and uh, apparently she's a disinformation expert. Apparently studied disinformation in Mrs. Franklin's preschool class, which makes no sense to me. Uh, she's she's already been, uh, she's already put out at least two huge pieces of disinformation herself by trying to bury the Hunter Biden laptop story. And also, yeah, and also, yeah, that's just it, dude. Yeah. yeah, she said that that was disinformation when we know that the Hunter Biden story is a hundred percent accurate and a hundred percent true. But she also gave a lot of praise to Christopher Steele for the Steele dossier as well. She did. So look, so we're letting someone with extreme bias this decide th- which is what is information and what is disinformation. This to me doesn't need to be a long conversation between the two of us, Corey. Although I feel like. You know, it it might be <laughs> because I look at this and I and I just see okay, we've got Nina Jankowitz, who's obviously a hardcore leftist. It's okay, you can be a leftist if you want to. Corey and I don't hate on you for it, but all you're doing is creating a department of who gets to decide what's true and what's not. Because mm-hmm. what anybody who supports a ministry of this, truth, yeah, exactly. Anybody who supports this has to realize that power changes hands. We are going to have a Republican administration at some point. I know Democrats don't want to think that, but it's going to happen. Are you saying that they should take the example of Roe versus Wade and use that thought process against this? Because, sure, you can sit there and you can cheer that this musical-loving chick who's making up songs about disinformation is great. For you right now. She actually just ripped off Julie Andrews, but you know. Right. And then what happens when, like, so like for our leftist listeners, what happens when Trump's back in office in 2024? What happens when Trump's back in office and then he decides who's in charge of the governance of disinformation? Here we go, Corey. I got it for you. Disinformation czar Steve Bannon. Now how do you feel? Now how do you feel? Disinformation czar Roger Stone. Disinformation czar... Mike Lindell. <laughs> the pillow guy? Disinformation jar <laughs> Rudy Giuliani. I don't fucking know. It could be literally anybody. When Trump was in office, he was throwing in a bunch of lobbyists for the oil industry into his EPA. Because all you're going to have is you're going to have a third of the country, whoever whoever's the administration is, is going to believe the disinformations are. A third of the country is going to think that they're full of shit. And then the, there's going to be a third of the country like you and I that realize it's all bullshit from from jump street we are we've already seen that from the first one miss nina jankowitz right yeah and it, that like that's that's just the point i try to drive home you know and it goes back in like when you talk about like the government with knee-jerk reactions to things like all it does is hurt people like and like a good example is margarine 
when it comes to regulations. When like margarine was made illegal by lobbyists for, by like butter and cow lobbyists. And it's like, all we're doing, like when you go and you just throw a bunch of laws at the wall to see what sticks just because it's convenient for you. Another good example good is the, another example. Another good example is the sugar lobby making fat, the, the enemy of the American diet, which we all know is sugar <laughs> now, but it took yeah. 50, 60 years for that to actually be made clear to all of us. Yeah, sugar and salt were like luxuries, like luxury parts of our diets for millions of years until recently when we were able to cultivate it and like mass produce it. You want to? Do you want to? Do you want to see one of Nina Jankowitz's wonderful numbers? Some, some, some of you have, have probably already seen this, but we ha- we have to play it because it might make me throw up. I just want to play it's it to so see if I can. Goddamn cringe! I just want to see it just to see if I cannot throw up. So all right, but if I see our viewers viewership drop one, I'm I'm, I'm cutting it. <laughs> I, I am pulling the plug on that. Information laundering is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious by saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet. So. It's how you hide a little lie, little lie. It's how you hide a little lie, little lie. It's how you hide a little lie, little lie. When Rudy Giuliani shared that intel from Ukraine, they're laundering disinfo, and we really should take note and not support their lies with our wallet, voice, or vote. Oh, oh my God! <laughs> well, thanks for the people who stuck around. Oh no one left. My God. Oh, we actually gained one as soon as you, as soon as you stopped oh it. They God. came back. Yeah, I They're mean, like, she, fuck you know, that. Certain circles, maybe she's a looker, so they saw it. And it, <laughs> I just like that's uh. just that that's your disinformation, are right there. That's her. That's her. And by the way, I'm not even. You know what's funny is like I can't even shit on her that much because this is this is a position or, or a department that was made by. A, 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 an administration and she just took a job I don't hate on her for that she went out and took a job she was offered a job and she took it so it's it's not really but she is going to be shit on pretty hard <laughs> going forward oh my god and, and deserves like, it as evidenced by the department of education more government isn't always good I mean, in today's day and age, it's almost never good, especially when you talk about the, 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 like, oh. let, let's look, what does the Department of Homeland Security actually do? Like, I want to I want to ask our listeners and please email us if without Googling it, do you know what the Department of Homeland Security actually does? And well, the even DHS if, is only uh, what is it? 11 years old. Uh, no, I'm sorry. 21 years. Well, old. It, it was after 9-11. Yeah. So, but yeah, they threw all the different like border like. Like ICE and DHS are all new programs. Before that, it was like there was border security, or I mean border patrol. There was a bunch of different conglom- like different well, bureaucracies look, that were just thrown together. Here's what the Department of, Department of Homeland Security does: they basically identify a boogeyman, and then try to find people that are involved with that boogeyman and send them to Guantanamo Bay. Right? Is wait, that is, wait, that, wait, is wait, that pretty wait. close, Corey? Is that pretty? Close? Are you saying that things like the apparent or the alleged kidnapping of our governor is the result of just an over overly large government. And that was the FBI. That's been around for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, are you saying that the FBI shouldn't be trusted? Nope. None of it. 
So the, the, the DHS basically just takes brown people and sends them to Guantanamo because they think they might have a bomb in their basement. That's pretty much what they do. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. Without due process, by the way. Without No, don't, don't need that. Don't need that. They're suspected terrorists. But I, as a white person, could have a bomb in my basement right now. I don't. Everyone chill out. I don't. Yeah, you better make that clear. Because no, but nobody, would, nobody, nobody would knock on my door. Because you see this? I have, I have skin that is quite pale. So they have no yeah. interest in me. And they don't. Well, actually, well, it depends. This Department of Disinformation, might they might think you're a white supremacist. That's true. Yeah, I, got, I better watch it. I'm breathing white. I'm also blonde. I am like an Aryan poster child over here. <laughs> BWW breathing while white. <laughs> my eyes are green. That's not the downplayed I'm brown in trouble. people and black people that are actually explicitly targeted by the same government we're talking about. <laughs> it's funny and it's not, and it's also funny at the same time. Uh, Corey, you want to talk about taxation? Yeah, let's talk about that. Is How taxation that? theft or is tax prep theft? Yeah, so I'm looking at this ProPublica article right now. It's uh, The name of the article is Inside TurboTax 20-Year Fight to Stop Americans from Filing Their Taxes for Free. And so basically, TurboTax has spent millions, if not billions, to make it to where we don't just, so to where us as Americans aren't able to file our taxes for free. When all the information is on that W-4 that you get, the government knows how much you paid, and the government knows how much you owe. But we have companies like TurboTax, H&R Block, and all these different companies that lobby an exorbitant amount of money to make it to where you have to pay them. How much money? Too much money. (laughs) Okay, just sit down, please. I don't know if that was the right answer, but that's the answer I'm given. (laughs) Lock it in, Dan. Um, That's enough. Put down the mic. But yeah, so like, and this is something that's been going on for a a long, long time, and like TurboTax, I guess they, that our government says they have to make it free, but like they constantly lobby and make it to where it's like you can't find the free link on TurboTax. And let me see if I can find it. I'm looking for the, how much money it was spent in lobbying. Well, I mean, here's the, I, here's the thing, Corey. While you're looking for that, the the uh, the, the thing is like. Technically, filing your taxes is free. Like, we could all do it. We could all find the forms. We could all fill them out. We could all mail them in. We could all do it ourselves. Theoretically, it's free. The problem is the the tax code is so ridiculous, and they make it so hard to where you'd have to spend hours trying to find the right files, printing them out, filling them out the right way, sending them into the IRS. So you you could do it technically for free, but basically what TurboTax and and these other tax prep companies do is they make filing your tax, they lobby to make filing your taxes so fucking difficult that everybody's just like, fuck it, I'm going to pay somebody to do it. Right? I mean, am I close? Yeah, pretty much. And right here it even says like, so the, like on ProPublica's uh, article, the IRS is seemingly the biggest threat to Intuit and other commercial tax prep businesses, but it has more frequently acted as the industry's ally. Defending the free file program, even in the face of critical internal reviews, the IRS declined to comment for this article. So the free file uh, program from that I'm the IRS about, ever talked before about anything? 
No. The consequence <laughs> of Intuit's efforts affect a huge proportion of the taxpaying public. Americans spend an estimated 1.7 billion hours and 31 billion doing their taxes each year. Just 2.8 million participated in the free file program this year, down from 5.1 million in the program's peak in 2005. Intuit's success has made the men who run the company rich. Smith, the CEO who stepped down last year and is now executive board chair, had a stake worth $20 million when he became chief executive. It ballooned to $220 million last year. Co-founder Scott Cook is now among the country's wealthiest people, with his fortune soaring to $3.3 billion. And like they do, they, they position it to where they get people from their company in, into positions in the actual IRS itself. And it's just, it's just, it's the same dirty tactics we talk about all the time when people with money just influence our government. And it's just, everything is just influenced by the almighty dollar. And this is just one more thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the promise of a job to the people, to, to, to the people within government. I mean, you see, you see that, you see that all the time. It's like, why don't, why does, why doesn't my senator or my representative actually give a shit about me? Because they're positioning themselves and they're posturing for their career once they get out of Congress, or they can just decide to stay an insider trade forever, like the Nancy Pelosi's and the Mitch McConnell's of the world. So, business and government being so inextricably linked is always what you can come back to it seems like and that's what that's what we're all so fucking sick of it's not that and we, and i've talked about this before too Corey. it's not that i think capitalism is a bad thing i like capitalism when it actually you don't like oligarchies crony capitalism cap, yeah the crony capitalism the one that they make it seem like it's capitalism but it only benefits the people who were already had a stake in it already have themselves they're all trying to keep it for themselves and they don't want anyone to get a piece of the pie when capitalism that's not capitalism when capitalism Capitalism is what made america great yeah when capitalism injects itself into government then i have a problem and it's and it's it's rampant it's a rampant problem that we've talked about multiple times on this show tax prep why should it be any fucking different yeah and that's what's funny too is like you sit there and you pay a hundred dollars to have them my taxes aren't that complicated right like i'm a sales rep it's not that hard I don't. I don't have a, a a ton of capital gains coming in or anything else. But like, even just with my basic tax prep, I pay whatever it is fifty dollars, a hundred dollars. I don't even remember what it costs anymore. I try not to think about it. But and it's still a pain in my ass, and it still takes me hours to get my taxes. Right. Done. Like I understand. Like yeah. And like that's the thing that kills me too. It's like the IRS technically made it simple with a standardized deduction for people to do this just easily when they don't have a bunch of write-offs and deductions to itemize and things like, Ooh, I keep burping. This Modelo is getting to me, Dan. Mm, it's that Mexican beer, man. God damn. We need to keep this south of the border. Where's the DHS on this one? Uh, give me a Bud Light. <laughs> I need me a Budweiser. Um, but uh, like we have like systems in place to make it easier with standardized deductions and things like that. And yet we still have to pay this exorbitant amount to like, get our taxes taken care of to where I understand having to get a CPA or whatever um, when it comes to having to itemize everything. Cause there's certain people that they are better off itemizing this stuff and that's fine. Go ahead. You know, if you have a bunch of receipts that the government doesn't know you have to like lower your deduction or to, to raise your deduction rate and things like that, then sure. That's fine. But Joe, sure. Schmo, Joe Schmo doesn't need that. You know who, you know who needs that? 
Johnny Johnny Millionaire or Billionaire who can afford to pay that CPA to take care of all that stuff for him. Exactly. And it and, and when you if you're doing a simple simple standardized deduction, you shouldn't have to pay hundreds of dollars to make it happen. Oh, somebody's upset over there, Corey Walsh. Yeah, it's my son. He gets real pissed about politics. <laughs> He's really pissed about his taxes this year. He that fucking re- hates having to pay his taxes. That let me refund tell was just not big enough for uh, for little CJ over there. No, <laughs> it wasn't. He's pissed. So there you have it. <laughs> that that didn't have to be a super long conversation, but like, hey, you think? No, that- it's, just, it's just fucked up that you know, just these companies lobby our government to hurt the little man because they have the deep pockets to do it to make themselves rich. You think taxation is theft? I know that I know that's a, a kind of a hardcore libertarian like way libertarian ideal. Tax preparation is the real theft. There you go. And Absolutely, on, yeah. Isn't that Hold on, l- l- let me extrapolate on that a little bit cuz isn't that like kind of a is doesn't that aren't those two I, two libertarian ideas that kind of clash with each other, right? Because it's taxation is theft, but also free market, right? Free market for you to go out and charge Ooh. people to, uh, to yeah, do their taxes well, that's for someone, them. Yeah, that's someone taking advantage of the loopholes in a free market. You know, it, it's, it's equivalent to that story we talked about last week when the one chick who's on the head of Starbucks is trying to break unions but her pockets are being stuffed by pensions and from union unioners. Money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, it's like, make it make fucking sense, Dan. I can't. If I could, I'd be a billionaire myself. That's why we're here trying to just talk. This if time. I could, I would be a, I would run a, a tax prep company. Uh, <laughs> well, now I'm just about to run just a coat hanger abortion company and I'm out of the back of a minivan. That might not be a bad idea. Corey, drive on down to Texas. No, I can't go to Texas because if you even like talk about abortion, you can be arrested for it. Is that true? I'm just gonna no, pretend it is. No, no, that's <laughs> just, <laughs> just gonna, dude. Don't Jankovic is gonna come after you with that disinformation. Ooh, You're yeah, about to have, yeah, yeah. Texas, Texas You're about is to have still the a, Ministry of Truth coming after you. Still a wonderful sovereign state. I, I actually love Texas. <laughs> I have no problem. I, every Texan I've ever met has been a wonderful human Texas being. Texas is a great state. When uh, you're a white male. I see what you did there. I have no problem walking around Texas. It's great. Corey, I have no problem going to like 80% of the whole entire fucking world and no one's going to fucking harass me. You're a white dude with a beard. I'm Must a white dude nice. with a beard who's straight. Hey, Corey, check your fucking privilege. No, no, I do. I check my privilege all the time. And I think that any person, regardless of race, religion, creed, or sexual ideology or sexual identity in our country should have the same uh, rights that are promised to me. And that's almost like something that kind of pisses me off too. When you hear everyone that talks about like, Oh, white people get this extra privilege and it's mostly white people saying it to where instead of just saying that, then let's just focus really on getting everyone else to have the same fucking privilege. Or we can all just put on blackface and we'll all be even. It's a joke. <laughs> Relax. It's a joke. <laughs> I'm about to tackle your ass down with a <laughs> fake gun knife. How dare you use your how dare you use this mantle for freedom of speech and your own personal jokes and opinions? I'm just a terrible American. What can I say? Uh, Corey, this week, we I don't we, we ran this segment a little bit short last time because it was a really, really stupid conversation. It's a really, really stupid conversation this time, but I have a feeling this one's going to be a lot more fun. 
Uh, uh, this week on things we shouldn't care about, or as Corey dubbed it, red pill versus red pill. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this week on celebrity deathmatch, we have <laughs> we have Lauren Bobert versus Marjorie Taylor Green, and I gotta tell you. I know I'd, who I'd be rooting for because she's a little easy on the eyes, which is Lauren Boebert, but I got a feeling Marjorie Taylor Greene would just wipe the floor with her. Absolutely. I just feel like she's got those man muscles. I feel like it. Right. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> That's very misogynistic. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, so usually on the show, we do this thing called Red Pill, Blue Pill, where we try to decide which take is less shitty on a very emotionally charged culture war and identity politic topic and this week we decided to go yeah, I just can't get over this versus red I can't get over this 1990s MTV stuff man this celebrity deathmatch theme is is quite fantastic sure is wait for it wait for the crescendo okay. yeah. anyway if you want to punch some drywall. <laughs> uh, apparently, um, uh, Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene almost came to blows. Yeah. Which is hilarious to me. Almost came to blows over... Oh, shit. What was it over? It was over, uh, I think, January 6th, right? I thought it was over the fact that Lauren Boebert doesn't want to be tied to Marjorie Taylor Greene, even though they say... Yeah, them two are very tied together. <laughs> even though if, And if Lauren like, Boebert doesn't like it. If you, like, tracked their Twitter feeds, they say the same fucking thing over and over again. They say the exact same things. Yep. But Marjorie Taylor Greene is just... Marjorie, I don't know. Who do you think's the bigger black sheep of the party? Is it Marjorie Taylor Greene or Madison Cawthorn? Uh, the establishment Republican Party? Definitely Madison Cawthorn. Definitely Madison Gawthorn. The like but the fringe, it's Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah, the 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 sort of never Trump uh like let's just go back to wait like the Mitt Romney wing, I would say it's Marjorie Taylor Greene. Whoa, wait, wait, wait no, Madison Cawthorn. No, Marjorie Taylor Greene is hundred percent Trump. Is Madison Cawthorn was he pro or anti Trump? He was he was pro Trump. He was pretty hardcore Trump. They both were, yeah. But it's so funny how like uh Marjorie Taylor Greene goes and talks at a white supremacist fucking convention thing where they were like praising like white supremacist figures and everyone's just like, ah, that's fine. But then Madison Cawthorn comes out and says that Republicans are having coke orgies. And ever since then, he's been busted twice for trying to bring a gun on a plane. Everyone's talking about how he's been busted with a suspended license three times. There's pictures of him with bras on coming up. There's a video that just recently came out of him grinding on another guy, which <laughs> we've all been at a party. We've drunk. all ground on another guy at some point. It, it, that's what I'm saying. Like in your own personal life, you would, like out of context, it looks like, oh, what is he doing? But it's like, we've all been there. We've all had fun with our friends. We've all worn a bra. Like as a, I don't know if you've worn a bra or not, but I have, I have pictures. Yeah, like as a joke, it's funny, you know. Like you do that shit with your friends and stuff like that. When you're at a party and there's guys and girls, and like something happens where girls are taking their bras off, and you put one on as a joke, like these things happen. But they're coming after him so hard about these things, and completely ignoring Marjorie Taylor Greene hanging out with a bunch of white supremacists. It just it cracks me up. Yeah, so I would actually say the MAGA wing is more hate 
hateful towards Cawthorn and the establishment wing is more hateful towards Green, right? Because she's she's still by the way, she did uh she did apparently that uh the judge in Georgia did finally make it so that she can run for re-election on I think uh the twenty fourth of May or something later this month. Uh, and you know what? Let her in a in a true representative democracy. Go on beat her. Somebody go on beat her. Like, yeah, someone just have a better fucking argument. How hard would it fucking be? How hard does it have to be to beat that crazy chick? I well, it depends. How MAGA is her district? Because the thing that the thing that's so frustrating about the Republican Party right now, because we often talk about what's frustrating about the Democratic Party, but what's so frustrating about the Republican Party is we have this like this these two factions, one of which just can't let January sixth go, and they they can't they can't they can't let go of the stop the steal bullshit. And I, dude, I got a, I, I have a feeling that if you could just put forth. If Republicans could just put forth, you don't have to be a never Trumper, right? Because I think never Trumper kind of gives you that weird negative connotation with the MAGA crowd. But if you could just put forth a candidate to just stop talking about stop the steal, that's all you have to do. You stop talking about stop the steal. I think yeah. I think you're going to. I think you. I think you could beat a candidate that runs on stop the steal. Yeah, so I don't think it would be that hard. That's interesting too when you talk about the uh, the Republican Party. It's like because like we all know the Democratic Party is so fractured that it's like just a piece of broken glass on the floor. But like the Republican Party is almost to that point. And I remember saying this like before we started doing our podcast. Like once Trump is gone, the Republican Party is going to be like they're gonna they're gonna have no identity. They're gonna have an identity crisis. Because what's good for Trump isn't good for a majority of the party. They can't pull it off. They can't pull off that bombastic, hyper, hyper-partisan, knee-jerk, emotionally charged, off-the-cuff fucking type of rhetoric and get away with it like Trump can. And so it's going to be interesting to see what works in the Republican Party uh, depending on what where their stances are like if the ones that don't necessarily talk about stop the steal but talk about like the republican port core values and the ones who follow the mega core values and see which ones do better and which ones do worse look at those two squawking birds <laughs> just squawking birds now apparently the 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 altercation came about because Lauren Boebert was pissed about the incident that you were talking about, which was Marjorie Taylor Greene speaking at a white supremacist event. So if that's the case, I guess we got to give a little bit more credit to Lauren Boebert, even though she's crazy and she's also much more attractive. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I don't care. No, she's easy on the eyes. She's pretty. Not prettier than Marjorie Taylor Greene. Marjorie Taylor Greene, I feel like she she grew up working construction or something, has a construction (laughs) business, I think. She'd probably beat the shit out of Lauren Boebert. I thought you were just saying that based on the way her face looks. Oh, like, no, 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 no. She, I, think that's, she, I think that's how oh, she yeah. came to promise. Yeah, she, she, was, had a, she had a construction company. She was on the construction site. They called her Big Marge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here comes Big Marge. Makes, makes, I'd like to see what her knuckles look like. <laughs> Show me your knuckles, that's, Marge. That's how you know who would win the fight. Based on the knuckles, does it, does it look like she's uh Oh, dude, Marjorie Taylor Green would absolutely whoop Lauren Boebert's ass in a physical fight. I have absolutely no, no doubt about that. Because I know, I know that like in their campaign videos, that they both basically showed themselves holding guns. But 
Marjorie Taylor Greene's campaign video from 2020, she actually shot the guns. I know she can actually shoot. I know Lauren Boebert likes to pose with the weapons, but I don't, I don't have any proof that she can shoot. Yeah, I don't just, know. That's, I'm that's, just picture. I'm just picturing uh, Lauren Boebert pulling one of those like Bugs Bunny gloves out of her skirt and just whoosh, challenge you to a duel <laughs> over over who should. the better MAGA representative is. We probably could get rid get rid of a lot of these fucking idiots and uh, <laughs> in government if we just allowed them to duel again. If we had a Hamilton burst Burr type duel. Uh, see it. See that. That's. That's the good argument why we shouldn't, because Hamilton was definitely a better politician and a better person for America than Burr was. But raise Burr, uh, raise of hands, audience. Who the fuck knows who Aaron Burr is? And if you do know who he is, you probably only know him as the guy who shot Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, he was a piece of shit. He ended up being a he was, he tried to make Texas secede, and yeah, he was he ended up having to run from the country as a as a traitor, a murderous traitor. Well, it was a fair duel. Let's be honest. I mean, it was. And Hamilton, actually, that's one of the only things Lynn Manuel ever did uh, good. Was uh, was actually bring prominence to who you know, like Lynn Manuel's Hamilton play actually brought prominence into a forgotten founding father, Hamilton, because he was actually very important to our country. He's the one that helped. Like the conversations between him and. Uh, Madison and Jefferson and stuff in the Federalist Papers. I don't understand how we came from people that were just so smart and had so much forethought for our country. And they're just so just just have so much perspective and really dive into the context of like every thought that came to our like Corey, the creation of this country. I can explain and going from it. that to like a Nancy Pelosi. And a Marjorie Taylor Greene and a fucking this these establishment fucking like you remember one of my do you remember one of my monologues in the very beginning of how Benjamin Franklin got shit on because he just got given a box that had a couple diamonds on it from the, the king of France after he was over there for Ooh. years and everyone freaked out, rightfully so, they should have. Those dirty frogs gave him a box. Right now. And it's just insane to me of just how far we've come. I know what it is, Corey. See, back then, you basically had to take a eight-hour horse ride to go to whatever it is, the First Continental Congress before the country was even established, or whatever it was. You take a, an eight-hour buggy ride. You, you didn't have a phone. You didn't have a new... You just had to basically sit there either on the horse or in the back of the buggy and just think about what the fuck you were going to talk about, contemplate life, maybe smoke a little cannabis, as Thomas Jefferson is well-known for doing, and... Yeah, now you basically you get to take a, a quick car ride or plane ride. You go, you do your stupid meeting, and you 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 know you you sign a law, you sign a you vote on a on a law or whatever. Then you go home and you check Twitter. Nobody has any time to actually contemplate what's actually going on, like they might have during the Age of Enlightenment. That's true. And then people and then the people want to respond even... with, "Well, why didn't they get rid of slavery?" It's like, okay, well now we have another different nuanced conversation to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're right. You know, every piece of information back then, you didn't get like. Imagine if you only got one tweet a day versus a thousand tweets a day thrown in your face. Just one. Imagine what people would do if you could literally only see one social media post every day, every day. And, and, actually, you know? and actually, was able to expand on it and think about it. 
You could only see one. So I do think it might be that one of the discourses in our country is the velocity of information, just not the information itself. Because when everything is compressed into a 60-minute news segment and a 240-character tweet. I think so, but then I also look at... There's no room for nuance. I also look at long-form conversation podcasts. Obviously, the most notable is Joe Rogan, but there are many others where these just two human beings just sit in a room together for four hours. No phones, maybe a little bit of weed, some cigars, and some bourbon. just attack a topic from multiple different angles. Or multiple topics. And like... I don't I don't blame the velocity of the information. I blame I, I don't really want to blame an individual, but like you you have to have the ability to just put the fucking thing down. And and my way of doing it is I like to smoke premium cigars. You know what I do when I smoke my cigars? I go outside, I light it up. I know I've got depending on the side depending on the Vitola, I have an hour to an hour and a half, sometimes two hours. And I will sit there for at least half of that cigar with just that cigar. That's all I have. I don't have my phone in my hand. I don't have my iPad in my hand. I'm enjoying the cigar, maybe a drink, and just letting my brain unwind. Decompressing. Process yeah. what, went, what went on throughout the day. If I do have my phone in my hand, I'm never on social media. I, have, I actually have a new rule. I do not check social media while I'm smoking a cigar. It's my rule. If I do have my phone in my hand, I'm reading an article or maybe I'm reading a book. You know, just take an hour and a half of your day away from this shit. No, I do something very similar. How much better you feel? Now, my cigars might have a little bit of a more of a more of an herb in it that might be a little bit more mind altering. But I do the same thing. I'll sit in my hammock, tune out from social media, and just really just try to just tackle topics. From all different angles. And that's what we really try to strive to do on the show. We really tell people it's like whenever you have an opinion and like you're like, you're sure that's what your opinion is something, that's good. It's good that you have an opinion. Everyone needs to have their values and their moral compass calibrated properly. But now before you share that opinion with anybody, make up the best argument against it. Yep. What's the best no argument one takes for that the other time side? Because instead of spending that time to do that, they're on to the next topic. I can't let I can't let this go. We're about to end the conversation. She really thought she was going to get away with this, but uh, just throw this comment up on the board. Marissa says, "True, Dan leaves his phone in the house half the time." Marissa's my girlfriend. For anybody, <laughs> so welcome. And obviously, welcome one of the her biggest co- fans of the show. Welcome her comment to the show. She is correct. I do leave my phone in the house half the time. So. At least she comments and doesn't vacuum next to your studio door. <laughs> that's not, or, or, you know, or scream. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's CJ. That's CJ that screams. Austin's not screaming. Oh, okay. I, just, <laughs> I can't clarify hear that for you. I can't hear the difference. Uh, I don't think we missed anything on this one, Corey. I think we're good to go. Yeah, I think we're pretty good. We got through absolutely everything we were supposed to get through. Tell the people where they can find us before we end the show. All right, yeah. Uh, go ahead and find us on all of your social media and podcast platforms. We are at Libservative Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Libservative on Facebook. Libservative Podcast on TikTok. Dan still hasn't made any videos for TikTok. I'm terrible. I've been slacking and haven't made a video in like a week and a half on there, but we're on there occasionally. Uh, all of our monologues that we read on the show, you can find it on our WordPress at libservativepod.wordpress.com. You can reach out to us directly at libservativepod at gmail.com. Like, follow, share, subscribe. Give us a rating on your favorite podcast uh, outlet. And uh, 
yeah, come join the conversation. We keep this going throughout the week, and then we just come out and do what we were just talking about, or decompress of the different topics and make thinking sexy again. Try to bring nuance to the conversation and make things make thinking sexy again. This has been Libservative. Until next time, he's been Corey Walsh, and he has been Dan Griffin, and we are out of here. <laughs>